Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Insiders podcast, presented by Commerce Bank, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders podcast. From Manhattan, we have returned. We went to Memphis. It was one year. We came back. It's another year. And Riley informs me it's a new decade. I don't know how that happened. Tim Fitzgerald and Kellis Robinette, two of the regulars. We also have Riley Gates and Travis Tannehill sitting in for Matt Walters, who had his appendix removed. I think he just did it for attention, but that's me. Uh, and Ryan Black, who brought back uh, an infectious disease from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> as far as that makes it sound way worse than it is. I know. He, he's, he's across the street in his bed moaning about he's sick. It's a virus, not a disease, technically. But he went to Norman, right? Yeah, he's he, in Norman. He, he, he worked Norman. every day since coming home from Georgia, so I, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think he wants attention more than Matt. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what I'm going with there. Well, God bless you, Ryan Black. Golly, I can't talk. You uh, had a good run. And uh, we will all speak kindly of you in your absence. Have to be put, <laughs> put down now. You have to be put down. Well, let's get rolling, boys. Uh, two of us went to Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, did two of us have Whataburger? Yes. We ate the same meals while we were in Norman. Yeah. Nice. Did, wh- which uh, which Whataburger? The one in uh, no. Uh, you didn't do the Edmund. No. Uh, yeah, what's that, that's the one I hit on the north end. Yeah. Way out of town. More. I couldn't think of okay. it. Okay. Did you hit torches up? Yeah, we torches. both we did hit torches up as well. Did you guys just hang out or? What? Well, Kellis no, got up yeah. early that morning and drove down. Yeah, I just day tripped it. But, wow, uh, we could have. I mean, uh, carpool next time if we're just going to eat at the same place, it, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for torches to get to Manhattan. Do we know a date on that? Nope. Oh, I saw today. It looked like construction was happening inside nice. that fuzzy, oh, that fuzzy really? building, okay. which is the room. Is that? That's yeah, where, it is. That's that's where it's right. going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So construction was started. So very exciting. Let the countdown begin. Well, before we dive in, let's not It'll forget. It'll be Brahms here, maybe. Sure. Uh, no <laughs> let's mention that we are sponsored by Commerce Bank, even though Matt Walters isn't here. Life is full of moments big and small. 
including having your appendix removed. (laughs) Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. Do not go there for an appendicitis. Go to a doctor for that. I can't. Oh, boy. Uh, So I felt optimism for much of that game watching on ESPN Plus on my uh, perfect stream from ESPN Plus, something I can brag about apparently and nobody else can. You have internet like a normal functioning person. Well, I don't even have that good of internet. I have other problems with my internet, but not with ESPN Plus. And for, I don't think I get a good signal because for most of the game, K-State seemed to be leading. Was that correct or was that an ESPN Plus glitch? 34 minutes, 33-something-ish. Yeah, leading. And as I posted on the board, it's really weird. Bruce Weber is Lon Kruger's kryptonite. And then, usually, <laughs> and then he pulled out Bruce Weber's kryptonite, which is his own. Um, Callus, what did you think overall of the game? Well, I think they basically at this point should just rename that win probabilities graph, where a team is looking like it's going to win until the bitter end, and then it loses. They should just rename that the K State uh, losing sorry. bell curve. Yeah, yeah, the K State basketball bell curve. That would really be fitting. I mean, every it seems like every single game is the same thing. Hey, they look pretty good for 35 minutes, and then they look completely disorganized the last five. I mean. Whew, yeah, the zone was bad. T- pulling Xavier Sneed out until the score was basically tied was bad. Um, taking, you know, basically not playing defense on Austin Reeves was bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought they played pretty good the first 35 minutes, and then everything went south. I, maybe that's just what we have to expect from this team. I don't know. It happens pretty much every time, unless they're playing Tulsa at home. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't to, explain how they won that one. We have to add in the at home because if they're playing Tulsa anywhere else, they'll lose. But Apparently. It, it didn't make sense. It was the exactly what exactly what Bruce Weber said they needed to do. You know, he, he emphasized Garden Reeves. He emphasized not letting the other people get going, all that kind of stuff. And they did that for so long. And then right down the stretch, that's exactly the opposite of what happened. I mean, they they just, like Kel said, they let Reeves go off, and, and you can't let him get open that much. And then, holy cow, look, they started 9 of 20 from three-point land, and they were knocking him down left and right. I get it. You're hot. You're feeling it. Go with it. At some point, though, you realize, hey, maybe we're not shooting it as well. We need to take some time and find a better shot. When you go 0 of 9 down the stretch from three-point line, seems, from the three-point line, seems bad. Antonio Gordon shooting a fadeaway three-pointer in the corner by the bench. I was proud of him. Hey, come on, guys. Like, that's just poor shot selection. That was my game right there. Encapsulated fadeaway three with the game on the line for no reason. I guess that's why I came away with it so frustrated. I'm like, man, they should have won that game. They were better. They were the better team. They played better. I honestly never really entertained the thought they were going to win, even up 11. I never really felt all that confident. And and you bring up a good point. I suspect K-State felt the same way, Travis. Oh, yeah, I think they felt the same way. And even I was actually listening to the game on the radio, and even – I mean, you just kind of felt that even through the radio waves. You felt kind (laughs) of the – you know, I can't even see the game. We're just listening to it, and it's just like, man, when, when's something going to go wrong? And you almost felt in the in the post game press conference, some of the players and even some of the coaches were like, you know, this is we almost kind of you just got that emotional feel from what they were saying, which is not a good place mentally to be for that team. And that's what this team is, though. I mean, last year, if team, if K State was struggling, you knew you're like, okay, they're they're the better team. They've got some players. They'll they'll get that moment. 
you have to go into every game this season expecting that they're probably going to lose. Yeah. You ha- like that's a feeling that you're going to have every single game. When is something going to go wrong? And there's 17 more of those. 18 if you count Alabama. 19 if you count the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> Quit adding games, man. Well, I think you probably have to count Alabama. I mean, it's on the schedule. That game doesn't count. <laughs> that game does not count. Oh, my goodness. Another ill-advised, poor decision on a pass late in the game by Cody Ejiada. Um Man, it's just, yeah, exactly. He keeps shooting himself and the team in the foot. Uh, I, is he pressing to make a big play, or is he just not making good decisions? Hmm. Crew? I, mean, I think it just Can you is be what both? it is at this point. I mean, he's not not a true point guard. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just really weird. You never know what to expect from him from game to game. Either he's going to come out and score 25 and not give you hardly any assists, or he's going to give you a bunch of assists and not score any points can't ever seem to make up his mind and I thought it was weird that uh you know he made those mistakes and then after the game Bruce is saying he wants more from David Sloan well if you want more from David Sloan play the guy more than 11 minutes I mean come on there are two players on the roster right now that are playing less minutes than David Sloan care to take a guess and who they are oh on the entire roster on the entire well of those that have played oh okay well McAtee McAtee and James Love are the only two that have not played more than David Sloan and I get it if he's having, he he didn't play well on Saturday. He was one of three. Turned the ball over three times. I mean, yeah, you can't leave someone in there if they're not on the day. But you also can't play him four minutes and expect him to get in a rhythm. It just that's just not fair. I mean, that goes for every sport. And I don't know what he has against David Sloan at this point. Like, what what else does he have to do to get more minutes on the court? I don't know. It's frustrating to watch. He did play the younger guys, the freshmen. More minutes than he has been. Yeah. I, I thought they were good. At you least know solid. And, and I see Antonio Gordon take that shot, and it's a bad shot. But I'm like, just go through the process. If they're going to be turning the ball over and doing stupid things, I'd much rather have it be a freshman than your senior center or your junior wing or, or excuse me, your junior point guard or your senior wing. I just... They just make too many mistakes. They're not. Re- they're not a refined team. We can't identify what they are because they don't know what they are. They don't know what to lean on. What they do. What's their source of points in clutch situations? They just have. They're not well defined at all. It's very, very frustrating to watch. And TCU ro- rolls into Bramlage Coliseum on Tuesday night. Oh my God! They've got to win this game. This is one of those games that is on the schedule. You look at, well, there's a win. There's one of their six wins or whatever. Yikes. Do they really have to win this game? I mean, what's the like? What's I mean, the they penalty were... if they lose? Yes. <laughs> like, I will say bad gonna, things. What are they going to miss out on? <laughs> It'll be another angry podcast next week. I mean, uh, it's, it is. It's the 10th place or the preseason Team number 10 in the conference, you were number nine. I mean, there's not that much in between. Iowa State looks horrible, so maybe TCU's the eighth best team in the conference. They're still bad. They almost lost Iowa State. I, uh, I thought both TCU and Iowa State looked better than K-State from what I saw. Oh, absolutely. Watching that game the other day. But the bad boat has more than one occupant. The bad boat has a few players, teams in it. Mm-hmm. Good for K-State. <laughs> Heck, all you got to do is beat K-State is get them in foul trouble, right? 
Bench him. And play his own. Do we think – all right, I don't know. What does everybody think about X not coming back in? I think it's a, it's a, a big typical, mistake. It's a typical Bruce move. He's yeah. so um, – What's the word I'm looking for? He's just so strict on that Stubborn. rule. Stubborn. Yeah. Conservative. Rigid on that rule. This is what I do. This is how I handle this. I don't change. It's time, man. Well, I, I don't think it's ever going to change. He wouldn't He wouldn't do it for uh, for Barry Brown in the NCAA tournament, and he was fine to let that happen. He wouldn't do it yesterday. I, I was just very surprised to hear, like, Lon talk about it afterward when, when I asked him, hey, any hesitation there about leaving Austin Reeves in with four fouls? And he's like, no. Like he, <laughs> he play, He's played a lot of basketball. He knows how not to foul. We protected him with the zone, you know. I want him out there to score. And, I mean, he must have been licking his chops when he sees the guy who's defending Reeves all game leave. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wow, he's just going to pull him out. Okay, well, I'll let him score all the points that help us win. I, I, I don't dislike taking Snead out because there were still eight minutes to go, but you got to get him back in with like four. That's where I'm two. at. I, I was okay with him pulling it. You don't leave him in with four with eight to go, I don't think, especially when you're up 11 or whatever they were up at that point. I'm okay with a couple minutes out. But if it gets to the B, the under pushing the under four, you kind of got to think about getting him back in there, especially when that lead's slipping away, and just that just can't happen. And that, and it hurts that it's you know sub them in for offense. I mean, yeah. lots of coaches do that. You don't. And how do you have a black and white rule like that when each player is totally different? I mean, exactly. you, got, you got guys that are very very smart and. You know, are smart enough to give up two points, not get that fifth foul, and then you got other guys that are idiots and get fouls for no reason all the time and do boneheaded stuff. So, like, how can you have a black and white rule when players are human beings and act differently um, in those types of situations? You know, seniors act differently than freshmen, and you know, a guy like guy like X. I mean, if, if you can't trust X, who can you trust on this team? Or Barry Brown in his senior year at the yeah, or Barry, tournament. yeah. I, I don't understand it. I can't grasp being so it's, rigid in the way you view things that you will literally have evidence presented to you that this isn't the way to go all the time, and you still do it all the time. Well, it's very frustrating, and his response to us whenever we question him on it is, well, if I leave him in there and he fouls out, you people are going to call me dumb. I want to say to that, well, we're calling you dumb now anyway, basically. <laughs> you know? I, I would respect you a whole lot more if you took the risk and it Co- didn't work Coach, out But way. you wouldn't call him dumb, it, and neither would the fans, and neither I don't think anyone else would. You would call X dumb for getting his fifth foul. You know, it's the same thing. If he fouls out, he's not on the court. He's not on the court anyway. Right. Yeah, taking him out. Right. So... And is is the media reaction really That's exactly what we should be riding this really, on? Really, Coach? You're worried about what we think? <laughs> I mean, there's certainly like if that's Levi Stockard, then pull him out. I mean, come on, yeah, he's gonna foul out surely. But <laughs> yeah, Sneed, trust the guy. I, I would, I would love it if he would go against the grain a little bit more. I think it would help. Hmm. I don't think it's gonna happen. Well, me neither, but. It's frustrating, and there's so many signs of this team looking like one of those teams, you know, post the first Big 12 championship. And I don't want to think that's happening. I'm kind of invested in these freshmen and in David Sloan, who should be on the court. Do we all agree that David Sloan should be on the court a hell of a lot more than he is right now? I'd almost argue he should be a starter. Well, we've been arguing that on this show, and it's not going anywhere. So clearly, Bruce Weber doesn't freaking listen to the media because he should listen to us on that. I don't know. I would put him in there and bring the girl off the bench. I've said it over and over and over. But he has something about David Sloan he doesn't like. I don't know if it's defense or I, I think he's too quiet for him. 
That's the only thing I can come up with. I think he's too quiet in practice, probably. No, he's seen flashes. He, he, according to Bruce, he's only talked once. Yeah. He had eight assists against St. Louis. He's the only reason they were even in that game. Sorry, I'm I mean, do we really this. think Bruce is, I don't know. I mean. I mean, yeah, I, I trust him. Like, there's got to be something other than that. I mean, there's no way that's the, you know. And I know I've had, I mean, Coach Snyder didn't like me because I wasn't a vocal leader. I just kind of <laughs> came to work and went home and did my thing. Nobody and not, not, not didn't like me, but he wanted more of leadership from me. And But he would never not play me because of it. He just tried to encourage me to be more vocal and bring some other guys along, along with me. And I, I don't know. I just think a guy like Bruce, I mean, there's no way that's the reason that you know, just a guy's quiet or a guy's not a vocal leader. Uh, there's got to be something else going on in practice, or you know, just I hope. or just pr- maybe protecting him. Just don't want to make you know make a Hold bunch on. of mistakes. Are and... you saying that you're the reason why the tight end position has been mediocre since you left? You didn't <laughs> I, bring I did the other guys a, along. I did not do a good enough my senior year training up the sophomore and juniors, and then that, that baton did not get passed. No, that is definitely not. You should have been out at the middle schools and the elementary schools. Teaching future tight ends. Dude, I know. I've been out long enough. Now those guys were in sixth, seventh grade when I was leaving. That's crazy. It's getting depressing. Well, the the frustrating, the most frustrating thing about the basketball team is everything we've said right now. Even if even if we're right and Bruce changed all that, I still don't know how much it would fix. Yeah, there's, I, there's no quick fix out there. No. Yeah, as uh, our good friend Jay Heidrich posted on the board, it's about the Jimmy and Joes. They don't have enough Jimmy and Joes. Or Wands or anyone else. <laughs> and well, the ones they've got are, are all young. I, I I'm encouraged by what the freshmen are doing. I, I'm like you. And for whatever reason, when Antonio Gordon makes a dumb mistake, at least he's going 100 miles an hour. He does. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't bother me. But when Mayween or somebody else just turns the ball over or Cartier makes some dumb play, that's that's when it's like, ugh. The sad thing is here? Oklahoma was one of those that you were like, uh, maybe they could win it, you know? Well, Oklahoma game. tried to give it to him. I right? know. And now you look at it. I mean, that that wasn't like you play. You weren't like West Virginia and played KU in the first game, or you know, so you didn't play a great team in the first week. You've still got all the really good teams, and now you've just lost one that that could have gone your way. It's unfortunate. Well, apparently Bob Huggins wasn't happy with the officiating. Woof. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened in Lawrence, but I was doing something more important than watching a KU basketball game. I took a nap, um, <clears throat> so I missed it. And Bruce Weber wasn't happy about the officiating. And I come back to this. When I turn on a game and a guy like Kelly Self has been recycled for the fifth season in a row after his expiration date, there's something going on here. They just aren't getting good officials, good young officials. The Sneed foul on the block was horrendous. It was horrendous. I mean, but that happens. And I don't want to sound like I think the refs cost K-State the game. K-State is more than enough than enough skilled at costing itself games. It doesn't need the help from the officials. But it did get a little ridiculous. It did get a little strange. I mean, the Reeves' last three was a push-off. So I don't know. But I haven't heard Bruce, and maybe he didn't do it in your press conference, but he did on the radio. He made a couple – after I went back and typed everything up, he made a couple subtle jabs. But he's he's really good at that. Like, he can kind of – I mean, he flat he disguises out. Them. He, he flat out he said on the radio. Reeves and ours, the push off. Yeah, but he was, yeah, really was kind of like, oh, you know, Reeves push offs. Maybe you call it. Like he, you could tell he wanted it called. I just wanted to throw, you know, come in there and and take, do what you did when Svee traveled. Take the fine. Yeah, take the fine. I don't know. Maybe he's saving that. Maybe he needs to play that card later in the season. He did on well, the radio. Well, the last time he tried it in a press conference, it blew up in his face. 
Of course, he didn't handle that one great. <laughs> Ask Fran. <laughs> Not the best moment. Did Snyder ever do that in your career? Ask, uh, complain about the officials to you guys? To us? I'm trying to think. I don't think I, ever. I mean, probably the worst <laughs> the worst official call I ever had was the pinstripe bull salute at the end. And even then, mm, he, he, you know, he right. told us, you know, we kind of not blamed ourselves, but, you know, you know, you, we made a mistake and that cost us a ball game. I was like, <laughs> no, we did not. That was a bad call. <laughs> and so, no, I mean, he always, as you know, I mean, he's, he's the master of taking the high road and, uh, you know, self, uh, self, self criticism for himself and his team. So no, it was, it was always just our fault for not playing, playing well enough. And, and, you know, coaches for not coaching well enough and the, the standard memos we would get. So it was he, pretty consistent. <laughs> he, he did criticize his players, but coach Snyder would always add, we have to do a better job as coaches. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's what struck me. The first thing Bruce Weber said on postgame radio was they went to the zone and we weren't expecting it. (laughs) Why weren't you expecting it? I don't care if they've never played zone one day in their life as basketball players. I would zone this team all day and all night or at least certainly switch. Kudos to Lon Kruger for pulling out the zone right when the game was on the line and completely changed the game. It's been that way for three, three, four years now, you know. They haven't been able to beat his own forever. So, yeah, I I get it. Oklahoma hadn't run zone this year. I get it that you're not expecting it. And they hadn't even done it for the majority of that game, obviously. But uh, I guess my point is the proper comment is we weren't expecting it is we didn't prepare our team properly in case it happened. Because they haven't. How How does this team consistently have problems against zones? That a bunch of novices who don't run a zone can still baffle you. No shooters. <laughs> yeah, no. I think no that's. A, I mean, that's kind of my with this team right now. I mean, they're they're athletic. They play good defense. They're you know they're relatively long, and there there's some athletes on that team. I'd love to see them in the football stadium playing wide receiver. There's some good looking <laughs> dudes out there, but like, where's just the shooter, the guy who sits in the corner and just drills you know fifty percent three point range? I mean, they just don't have any basketball players. They got some really good athletes who they've tried to make basketball players, but they're still. I'll take a lesser athlete who can shoot the three ball. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's about how many times that ball goes through the stupid net. And so that's what I'm hoping some of these recruiting classes, you know, let's find some basketball players. And, you know, if they, and if they give up a few extra points on defense because they're not as athletic, then who cares? We'll just help score them. But that's not the, not the M.O. Bruce has chose oh, yeah, to recruit much, as of late. Much like the foul thing. He just, for whatever reason, if he sees a guy who can shoot, it's like not enough. you got to be able to defend. you got to be long. And yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, Fitz, you've said it more than anybody. I think what's really hurting right now is they're basically down four scholarships because Sean Neal Williams left, Nigel Shad and James Love are perpetually hurt, and then Pearson McAtee, they couldn't find anybody better and just gave it to them. So they're basically playing with nine. That's and crazy, If they man. could have found one guy who could shoot with those four scholarships, it would make a huge difference. The, the inability to recruit big men is continuing to handicap this team. Not just because the big men aren't good enough, but then they're occupying spots on the roster that may be a more functional basketball player. I would take another guy that is long and can defend over a guy that can't do anything because they're injured or incapable of playing. It's crazy. They do have a big man on campus. You want to say his name? Can I pull up the pronunciation? Real yes, quick? it's Casey. I got Casey, that part. Yeah, Casey is his first name. Casey Izagu. Thank you. 
It looks like I told him it looks like someone just put letters together and said, "Yeah, that's that's, that's the guy's name." Uh, mid-season transfer from UTEP, six ten, two forty, two forty. He's from Sudan, also correct. Born, moved, yeah. right? Same. He's basically Macau Moween, light point two. <laughs> well, bigger, bigger, yes, light as in, yes. He will add to the all airport team. I get it. I guess I. I don't know. Maybe he turns out to be really good. Maybe. I think Bruce is just happy with not this season, but with what Mac has given him the last two seasons. And that's what he's looking for. I just want a guy in the post that can defend and rebound and let everyone else do the other stuff. I think it's a practice body that they're trying to add. That's all it is. Practice body, beef up Davian Bradford when he gets to campus. I mean, that's... Uh, that's what you're looking at, in, in my opinion. Before we go to break, though, uh, old friend alert. I didn't realize this until I saw a story from The Athletic that Mike Miller, who was with Jim Moldridge here in Manhattan for one season before he went to Eastern Washington, I think that's right, is the Knicks head coach. Your Knicks are coached by someone that I have. Interim head coach, but yes. That's same thing. <laughs> interim after they fired the original one six games into the year. <laughs> You're the interim Matt Walters. How's that feel? Not great. I bet not. I don't want to lose my appendix. <laughs> We're going to do that at the break. Remove my appendix? <laughs> We're going to do a little operation here at the uh, WTC Gig Pirate Studios. Let's take a break now on the Insiders Podcast. We're going to talk about something a little more upbeat. K-State lost its bowl game. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig powered studios. Welcome back to the Insiders Podcast here at the WTC Gig Pirate Studios. A short second segment is coming your way because we're going to talk about uh, football. It's probably time to move on. And also, two of us in this room have to get to a, a Bruce Weber press conference that is slated for 45 minutes from now. Bruce might show up in an hour from Yeah, now. I mean, we could do three more halves. <laughs> Who knows? They might switch the location another three times. Okay, we haven't talked about the bowl game. And, and Kellis, last time we convened, it was in my hotel room. Thank you for that. In Memphis. In yes. Memphis. Um, what a nice hotel room it was. It was. It was a little cozy with the way we had to do the podcast, but it worked. It sounded fine. The football team, though, didn't sound fine. Uh, defense, I was impressed. Special teams were what they have been, very solid and productive. Offensively, it was just a blah. I don't know what they were trying to accomplish. I told Travis, it looks like they had the first drive scripted and the last possession scripted, and everything in between was, let's try this, let's try that, let's try this. <laughs> yeah. This- I mean, yeah, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, that's about, I was very confused and frustrated as well. I mean, yeah, that was, that was it was my- weird. Everything that worked on the first drive, they kind of got away from. Going, throwing the ball deep. Um, Wheel route. Yeah, the. They dialed up two potential touchdowns on the first drive. They didn't execute, but then and they hand the ball off to James Gilbert really well in the first yep. uh, first series. I think he had that was his point. Eleven yards per carry right out the gate, but then he went to the bench. And then they started trying all kinds of different things, and I don't know if Navy just had them confused or what, but they they tried to go deep a few other times, and Skyler either was pressured or didn't want to throw it downfield. It's just kind of weird. I don't know if just playing Navy and having so few possessions got to them or what, but yeah. I'm I not. think that was a big part of it. The Navy did to K-State what K-State likes to do to other teams, limit possessions. Yeah, I think that was a huge, huge piece of it. And you could just tell those guys never really quite got in a rhythm and never no. never got quite going. Um, and that first drive of a bowl game is always hard. I mean, you've been you've been off for whatever, 30 days at least. And, you know, it's just – it is kind of hard to get going. So you expect a couple, you know, a couple drops or a couple uh, – you know, get out of the gate slowly. But once after that, you know, you should, things should have picked up. And it just, it just never did. And I, I'd love to see – I mean, Skyler's stats, you know, 10 for 14, 124 yards. I mean, not great, but not awful. And I'd love to see the wide film of that game. And, like, was he missing guys or was no one open? Because it, it's, you know, from the TV broadcast, you can only see so much. And, I mean, I just don't know. Did Skyler play what, not play well? Was he missing guys? Or were those receivers just not finding a way to get open? Which is shocking to me because I felt like – we were the better athletic team against Navy, and we should have been able to get open, and we should have been able to do pretty much whatever we wanted. I didn't – look, they weren't wide open. They weren't standing there with nobody around them. Hey, throw the ball to me. And maybe this is how I felt, but I thought a lot of times watching the – because this was – Ryan Wallace was texting us about this during the game, so I was kind of trying to keep an eye on it. I never looked at one – or, you know, I never saw a lot of plays where I was like, oh, don't throw to him. He's, he's draped – guys are draped on him. There were a lot of situations where I thought, Skyler's made that throw before. Why isn't he making that throw now? Yeah, that's was, what it seemed like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. It, it, like he was afraid. Like Navy had a, a big special pass defense that he's never seen before, and that wasn't the case. That was not a great pass defense. Like I, I thought that K-State's receivers were far more athletic, could have made far more plays. 
And I, that first drive and then the drive in the fourth quarter where they maneuver the ball down the field shows it. I think if they would have played a little bit more aggressively at times and thrown some of those routes a little bit more, then you kind of get Navy to back off a little bit. All right, we need to respect this pass a whole lot more. We can't just stack this box and, and cause a lot of pressure. So I, it was frustrating. Skyler was voted the K-State offensive MVP by members of the media. I know for a I fact that I know for I a fact vote. five or six of us in a row did not vote <gasps> Skyler Thompson. Which so. do they always do that? Like, I've ne- does no. the losing team? You, okay, I, I saw that. And it's I was a like, Liberty Bowl thing. I was like, why is the losing team getting individual player awards? That's stupid. That's like, weird. <laughs> unless you win, you don't get an MVP award. Right. There should be an offensive and defensive game award, and they should have gone to Navy. They had an offensive MVP and a game MVP for Navy. <laughs> it was the same person. I don't know. <laughs> Come they on. like trophies in Memphis. Stupid. This is the Powercat Insiders Podcast. We are not stupid. And what is not stupid is Commerce Bank, our sponsor. Commerce has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. Matt, we're saying our prayers for you. I, th- I think they probably took out more than just appendix. I don't know. They probably took out other parts and didn't tell them. <laughs> Okay, uh, Kellis, we saw Skyler Thompson fall into some of those bad habits, fleeing the pocket to the right, not going through progressions well enough, not throwing the ball away, instead running out of bounds. Uh, he's got to get through that, man. He's got to, again, we talked about basketball, a little self-scouting here could go a long ways. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, he, I mean, I think Skyler was pretty good this season, but yeah, right. could have taken a bigger step. And you saw that. In the when ball. he wasn't good, he did the same things. When he wasn't good, he got uncomfortable and ran to his right, quite often right into the arms of a defensive end. No, I think it's uh, what you can, what you should look back to is the Courtney Messingham press conference before the game. And I just noticed it because Fritch wrote a story where he used this quote. He said, he asked him what he likes about, you know, the quarterbacks coming back. And he said, even Skyler can make improvements mentally specifically. Like they know that he's got some some mental issues up there. Oh, that sounds bad. <laughs> hey, they know that when, when he is on the field and he kind of panics a little Doesn't bit. Doesn't process. Things. Yeah, he he kind of struggles with that part of the game, and you see that all the time. He's a poised quarterback. He's a confident confident quarterback, but every time anything goes slightly wrong, he just he panics. He's always rolling, always to the right, as we noticed, yeah. um, and and refuses to throw the ball. What you cannot. St- take that what 11 yard loss or whatever it was where he steps out of bounds not only should that ball have been thrown the second he got close to the sideline that ball should have been thrown the second he left the pocket there was nobody open he he kept looking and looking and when he realized he didn't have awareness of where he was completing that pass to Isaiah Zuber to win the Iowa State game was probably one of the worst things to happen to him yeah true (laughs) it wasn't one of the worst things to happen to K-State Okay, Travis. He, he has said that. Sorry to interrupt. But he has said that a lot all season. Is that the biggest plays he's ever encountered ones on broken plays where he makes things happen with his legs and then finds somebody open downfield. And That's I think he probably does lean on that a little bit too much. One thing we've never really seen from him is that drop back two and a half seconds, throw to a spot on the field that really hasn't been him. And I don't know if that's just because of what we're talking about, that he thinks that if he can extend the play, the defense is going to forget about a receiver and it's going to be a touchdown. Yeah, that's what it looks like, but he also has a tendency not to keep his – not to pull the trigger. He'll keep his head up. You'll see guys open, but he won't pull yeah. the trigger. He's just got that that little voice in his head that's lying to him. Sometimes you just got to pull the trigger. Yeah, we saw 
specifically in this bowl game and a few times throughout the year, it was almost like, you know, we heard so much last year. He was playing timid and him in the, in the Delton battle was just kind of messing with his, um, with his mental game and a scared, scared to make a mistake, scared to throw an interception. And, he almost played like that again in the bowl game. And it's like, dude, like, there's no one behind you. Like, if you throw a pick, who cares? <laughs> like, not who cares. But, you know, sometimes you, if you're not throwing a couple picks, like, you know, that means you're not being aggressive enough. That means you're not t- trying to fit it into a window. And, you know, legendary Bill Snyder would totally agree, disagree with me on that statement. But in my opinion, you can throw not enough interceptions. That means you're not being aggressive and not trying to force the ball in there. Because let's remember, I mean, yeah, you have to have a not a bad throw, but you got to try to fit it in there. The defender has to – be, you know, have enough ball skills to get their hands on it and catch it. I mean, that's hard for a defender to do when they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to, you know, just cover the the offensive receiver. So, I don't know. He got timid, and I don't know why, and I hope it's not a long-term um, issue next year because, I mean, you know, senior next year, I mean, it's this is it. And it. he's been playing way too long to, you know, still be lacking confidence in certain areas. So it's time for him to – he's been good. And for him, he's still got some big strides to take this offseason to, uh, you know, to be, a, you know, to get into that next category of quarterback and uh, really lead this, lead this team. I have visions of him becoming an FBI agent. And when they put him in that, that little drill, that, that like that house where the – the good guy, bad guy pops out at you and you gotta decide whether to shoot or not. He never fires his gun. He can't make up his mind. He just Skyler, you gotta shoot someone. Shoot the old lady for God's sakes. Give it a shot. Come on, man. Well you know, Travis, a good example of what you're talking about was the uh, touchdown pass Malcolm Perry threw in that game. It was kinda of somewhat ill advised. Lance Robinson could have picked it off really yep. easily, but you know what happened? Navy caught it for a touchdown. Yeah, because he because he threw the ball. Yeah, yep. just as we all expected, yeah. the Navy yeah. passing game. Exactly. Of course, Navy passing. Uh, Climbing was right to your question. They did not throw it ten times, only nine. You'd only be shocked. They ended up with nine. Nine, nine if you count five. the spike. So it was eight. Okay, it was eight. But but yes. it was pretty heavy. It wasn't like five or six at half or something. I mean, it was it was a six at half. Six at half. They yeah. led well. Was it for the at halftime they led K State in passing yards, which was hilarious. Yeah. Look, all I'm saying is I there, I asked that question for a reason. He kind of treated me like I was stupid for thinking Navy might oh, throw there, the there ball. There was no kind of. He was basically and, like, what do you – And I was like, why dude. Do we, why do we want to hang back in a cover four against Navy? Get out of here. That's exactly why I was asking the question, man. <laughs> I knew they were going to do it. Pay me a couple hundred thousand dollars. We'll work on that. I give you candy. <laughs> we got Reese's peanut butter yes, yesterday. I give everyone candy. Travis, you're the football guy. I'm the know-it-all talking head guy. Uh, I saw that first drive, scripted probably, and it worked. It wasn't executed properly, but everything worked. Would you have gone back to that any time in the game and said, let's just run it again? They couldn't stop it the first time. I mean, honestly, I don't know if that's ever been – like, you know, you got your first – 8, 10, 12 plays, and then, like, literally, like, halfway through the third quarter, you're like, hey, let's just start from the top. And, like, would the defense figure it out? Like, I don't think so. And uh, I don't either. Yeah, I, I, I won't guarantee they won it. So, um, no, that'd be a fun thing to try, I guess. You know, that's kind of high stakes to try that on. <laughs> you know, if they do figure it out, you're probably, you know, giving up a pick six because well, they're jumping some route. But You start with a little tight end pass. Yeah. You would have caught it. I'm just saying. You would have caught it. And if they don't recognize that, then you end up with the wheel route eventually. If I still don't know why they never went back to that play. It was wide open, and I think Navy was being overly aggressive at times, and it just played right into that. Maybe yeah. they did go back to it, and Navy covered it, and I didn't notice it. Yeah, no, and I mean, I think right after the first drive, I even tweeted, like, all right, pass game was there, run game was there, just didn't execute. Like, we're in good shape on offense. And then, like, literally nothing 
exciting ever happened again for the rest <laughs> of the game. So, um, that was awful. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, those scripted plays. You know, I'm sure they went back to some of those plays where they do them in order. And a lot of times, too, those scripted plays initially, I mean, they're trying to – they're testing that defense and they're making that defense to commit to kind of what their rules are going to be for that game. So a lot of times, too, it's not even, all right, we don't even think we're going to gain any yards on this play. We just need to see how this defensive end is playing this or see how this safety is playing this look. So then that'll, then we know, you know, package A is going to work, supposedly, which it didn't. But um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it'd be an interesting concept. I'd, I'd love to think football is more complicated than that, but maybe, uh, maybe just restarting and trying it halfway through the second quarter or the third quarter might be, uh, you might be onto something, Fitz. So well, they, they they kind of tried that when they played Texas. The first two drives that worked so well, then they got shut up for so long. I noticed in the fourth quarter that they – it wasn't exactly in order, but I noticed it. Like they moved Knowles into the backfield and tried to run that play again. It was like three in a row that they used in the first quarter, and Texas wised up to it and shut them all down. That play, it's kind of like when you move Malik Knowles into the backfield again, you're like – I'm not falling for this crap again. <laughs> I know what you're doing. Well, like, how do they not have a part B to that? Like, you know, that's what yeah. Andy, that's what Andy Reid's amazing at is, you know, you see the same pre-snap motion eight times in a game, and there's eight different plays off of it. And, and that's what there needs to be a Malik Knowles in the backfield part B. And, you know, yeah. right, and, yeah. but it just didn't seem like there was at that game and definitely wasn't against Navy. I sometimes think coaches make it too difficult. And that's one of the things I like about Navy. Here are our six plays. We will run them repeatedly out of different looks and different things will result from them. And then just when you're settled in and you think we're going to just run out the clock and go to overtime, we're going to throw a pass. They had two amazing (laughs) trick plays in that game. I thought the reverse was better than the halftime. Oh, absolutely. How how do you even stop that play? I don't know. Well, I went back and watched. I mean, you can say that if you if Wyatt Hubert stays home, yeah, he gets him. There's no reason Wyatt Hubert should have been staying. Like, and he had him been staying home all game. I mean, he'd been yeah. he'd been reckless pursuit and made some tackles from the backside a couple times. So. I mean, if you go and scrub it, you're like, yeah, obviously Wyatt Hubert bit very hard there. He wasn't there to make the tackle. But I'm not mad if I'm Buddy Wyatt or Scotty. No, because if he doesn't bite that hard, then they run the option down our throat exactly. up and down the field. Well, Defense played great. My problem with that play with Wyatt was he didn't have any – eyes on the guy you have a guy running back against the grain towards you as as a guy coming down the line you've got to pick that up you may not make the play but you can force him out i mean there was nobody there now even if you force him out he probably was going to score because it was so well designed and executed by navy i wonder if they've run that this year full disclosure i did not watch every single game they played what kind of preparation they have gone halfback pass before i can tell you that's part of their offense that's you know Still, we, though, we call I, them trick plays, but those really are elements of their offense. The deception, misdirection, and that slot back pass is exactly what they like to do. And it's a very safe trick play. I mean, it's a it's like there's right. not a whole lot of risk involved in that play, and especially if you got a guy who's you know <laughs> just throwing ball. the ball is gonna gonna make good decisions. And you know if it's not there, you're just gonna throw it away. Dear well, K State, steal a, that play. As a player, what's your reaction to that when you see the defense give up? A- Give up that on the the halfback pass. I mean, like for me, I was like, "Wow, good job, Navy." I didn't yeah, like, no, you can't all. be mad. I mean, everyone's doing their job. I mean, those type of. I thought defense played great. Would and you take so, the timeout before that play? I mean, in hindsight, yes, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's. I would have taken the timeout, but my thing about it is, like, what are you going to remind your team there that they aren't already thinking? You going to tell your your secondary don't let, don't get beat. Like, are they not thinking that? No, they're probably going over option rules again. You know, they're probably just going over. It might have heard. I don't know. Was there anybody out there saying, 
you know, elbowing the guy next to him and saying, K-State really needs to watch for the halfback yeah. this year. I mean, it, I don't it think caught so. me by surprise. No, well, I mean, but yeah. here's my thing is, one, it preserves time for your team. They were thinking, Kleiman said it, we want to save our timeouts for the drive. Well, you didn't have time for three timeouts by not calling a timeout. The only way to have timeouts for a drive was to call a timeout and then have two left. It forces Navy then on fourth down by alignment to admit the clock stopped. We've got our offense on the field. we got our special teams on the field. Now we're either going to run a play from scrimmage. We might fake the punt, but we're going to do it not with Malcolm Perry and company. We're going to run it with these guys. So you now know what their intentions are. And that's what the failing was, is you, he applied conventional wisdom to an unconventional team. Conventionally, they just run it out and go to overtime. They get it down low, and then they, they call a timeout, or they run it out, back up and punt the ball and take the overtime. That's conventional, but Navy can't play that way. They don't play that way, and I loved it. They're like, okay, we're going to line up here in a little bit. No, we're going to line up right now, snap the ball, boom. It was, it was, I, I still haven't gone back to look at the play, see how well-designed it was because it's painful. It's just It's one of those decisions where – Yes, I would have called the timeout, but I'm not going to sit here and roast Chris Kleiman about it for a year. Yeah. No, I'm not either. I understand what his philosophy was. I'm just saying he applied conventional thought to an unconventional yeah. moment, and I get it. I get it. But then again, my one criticism for Chris Kleiman this season has been he, he often looks like a coach who hasn't been in late-game situations because he's a coach who hasn't been in many late-game situations. His team won a lot of games comfortably and didn't put him in these decisions in the past. So, full self-scouting there. Bad point. I'm sure, uh, as we've noticed in this podcast, that coaches listen to what we say. So, that will be applied. Uh, one final thought before we wrap this up. You guys go talk to Bruce. Blake Seidler. One year at West Virginia, his buddy Ricky Ronnie gets the head coaching job at Old Dominion. He was one year as offensive coordinator at Penn State, right? And uh, was it two? I think two. Two. That's right. It was was Moorhead that he replaced. Yeah. Two years as offensive coordinator at Penn State. And now he's at Old Dominion as head coach. And Blake Seiler goes as defensive coordinator. My thought, he's just betting his whole career on Ricky Ronnie. Here's my guy. Ricky's going to be at a power five in a couple years. And then, or... Ricky leaves, and I'm the head coach at Old Dominion. The old Mark Fox rule. I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Nevada with my buddy, and be his associate head coach. And then I can't remember his name now. Went off to be the LSU head coach, and Mark Fox became the Nevada Trent head Johnson, coach. Is that yep, that that's it. Boom. Look at that. That's why we have culture. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. I just thought it was for all the stuff he said when he departed here. It's like oh. Now we're going to do this. Yeah, no, I think it's a good move for him. And, I mean, that's all – I mean, that's what the coaching world is, is, you know, riding someone's coattails up the line, you know. Exactly. And, and not coattails. I mean, he's going to work his tail off, and he's going to be responsible for that defense and do a great job. And then we saw Ricky Ronnie do it when he left to go to Vanderbilt for uh, for James Franklin. And then he, you know, started as the quarterback's coach at Vanderbilt, worked his way up, and then rode the tails to Penn State and, you know, Power 5 Conference and um, rode his, you know, became quarterback coach and then OC at Penn State and um, now made his jump to, you know, got to move down to move up the, the coaching ladder. So yep. moved down to Conference USA, right, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, CUSA and, um, you know, getting able to run his own program and hopefully Blake can uh, move up the ladder with him. And that's just uh, – the way of the coaching world. Don't buy a house wherever you go because you're not going to be there long. <laughs> I think it's smart. I don't I don't know if Neil Brown's going to be in West Virginia very long. Whether it's fired or he takes a different job, it just doesn't feel right. 
He feels like he's he's already looking square peg round hole. And that's at the end of the day, he was he impressed those who talked to him for the K State job, but they thought. Well, he's a good coach, but he, I, we don't see him being here long term. And Chris Kleiman's going to be here long term. Now watch Chris leave after year two, and yeah. Neil Brown's there for thirty, and two <laughs> national championships. I'll bet you on that. That's okay. Not gonna <laughs> I'd put that. money. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I have learned a lot about Old Dominion. I got curious. Old Dominion's in Norfolk. It's a good is, band. Good band too. Well, yeah, yeah, I would get search Old Dominion and the band stuff. We'll use the word "good" lightly. Started off good, but now everything sounds the same. Um, they are approximately the same size in enrollment as Kansas State. They are known as a academic research institution, like a high threshold. It used to be part of William and Mary, along with Virginia Commonwealth. And those two broke off and started their own colleges, and now they're rivals. There you go. Huh. There's your Old Dominion update from the Powerhead Insiders podcast. The more you know. The more you know. The but. more you know. <laughs> was I supposed to say it too? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but good for Ricky. I mean, Ricky texted me after the case state game. Dude. And I mean, he was my, you know, he was probably, I mean, he was definitely the coach who made me a good tight end. I mean, by the time I got to Dana, I was a senior, and I kind of knew what I was already doing. Um so Ricky really, you know, I was a 185 or 195 pound freshman, called me a pencil neck tight end because <laughs> I had no weight on me, and uh, Good job really turned that. me into a you know an actual tight end, not just a semi tall, gangly, athletic 19 <laughs> year old. So yeah, I mean, let's point it out. He came with Prince. He was a grad assistant. Right? Grad assistant. Yep. Recruited and, Colin Klein. Yep. So recruited Colin Klein, and then uh, was the one guy, the coach, Coach to, Travis Tannehill, to stick around when the transition happened to yep. Snyder. That says a lot about uh, considering what took place in the Ron Prince era, and that coach kept him on. But then when James Franklin got the head coach at Vanderbilt, he went with him. Yep. And it's just been brilliant. Yeah, and he's brilliant. I mean, from an X's and O's brain standpoint, he's one of the smarter guys in college football. Cornell grad, I think, um, played quarterback at Cornell. So, I mean, he's he's got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, I gave him crap, though, because he always told me he never wanted to be a head coach. He was like, I just want to be an OC. I don't want to deal with the media and parents and all that crap. And the next thing you know, I was like, you told me you don't want to be head coach. And I hear you are a head coach. He's like, well, (laughs) you kind of want to run things your own way after you get, you know, (laughs) you kind of got some ideas and you can't put them into practice unless you're the head guy. So It's good to have someone out there in the pipeline just in case. Just in case. Has he offered you a job on his No, no, no. I, I no, I would not entertain that. <laughs> no, I, I see the coaching world; it's brutal. So when I think of academic research, when I think of academic research, I think of you, like in a lab coat. Shoot, no. no. And you gotta get a grad, you know, grad school. Like, shoot, I barely passed undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> barely got through my four years of undergrad, let alone grad Beautiful. school. Beautiful. That'll do it for this edition of the Insiders Podcast. Some of us need to work. Some of us need to screw around. All of us need to eat delicious Reese's. You've been listening to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today.
Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.